Good morning. Telefalava. The unity of the family of God is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. Every, every church should be very concerned about the unity of the family of God. Every pastor should be concerned about it, and our pastor is. And some time ago he told me that he would like me at our church family camp in, uh, at Easter to speak on, the, on unity. And when ten days ago I was asked to preach this morning because Sa'u was uh, scheduled to preach this morning but he hasn't been well, uh, there were two thoughts that came to my mind. One was, I wonder if there is going to be a church family camp the way COVID is, if there is going to be a church family camp at Easter. And the second thought that came to my mind was, if there is a church family camp, surely the subject of unity is sufficiently important to speak on it twice. So yes, I'm speaking to you this morning about the unity of the family of God. And I'll be referring to a number of scriptures uh, as we go through this message. Let us ask God's blessing upon that. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the unity that we enjoy in Mount Warren Park Community Church. And we pray, Lord, that you, through your Holy Spirit and through your word, will instruct us today and that you will impart to each one of us those lessons that we need to learn. Grant this, we pray, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What causes a state of a sense of belonging, that sense of unity? I used the wrong word, didn't I? I said, what? It's who? Because in Ephesians 4.3, the Apostle Paul urges his readers, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That verse tells us that it is the Spirit who gives us this sense of unity. And it also tells us that, that we don't need to create it. The Holy Spirit does that. But we do need to keep it. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And what if we don't? If we don't, Satan is waiting to take it from us. He is the destroyer and he wants to disunite God's people. I want to, to ask and seek to answer two questions this morning. The first is, what has God done to offer us a sense of family unity? And the first answer to that, and, and there, there are many answers to this question, I'm suggesting three uh, this morning. And the first that I'm suggesting is that he has, through the revelation that came to us in Jesus Christ, shown God to be a father. This is one of the most important pictures of God that our Lord has, has shown us. When he was so, so strongly criticised uh, by the uh, strict Jewish religious leaders for the way he welcomed and, and dealt with people whom they just wanted to call sinners, he responded with three parables. 
the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. And that last one is, uh, is uh, the best known and it's normally called the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal, by the way, doesn't mean lost, it means waste, wasteful. But that's beside the point. And, and in that parable, God is shown to be like a loving, patient, longing, and eventually welcoming father. Jesus taught us to think of ourselves as members of the father's, the father God's family. People who call the same person father are family. The same person cares for them. The same person, person seeks to understand them. The same person sympathises with them and certainly loves them. And all of those things promote a sense of family unity. And God has shown himself through Jesus Christ as a father and has given us through Jesus Christ the opportunity of becoming children of God, members of his family. That is our choice. The memory verse said, Choose this day whom you will serve. We choose to make God our Father. John 1.12 says, as, as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So when we receive Jesus Christ as our Saviour and Lord, God becomes our Father and we are united as members of God's family. That's one thing that he has done to unite us. A second thing that he has done to unite us is that he has broken down walls that divide people. The racial wall was, was one of the most obstructive walls in biblical days and, and in many situations it still is today. The Jews were chosen by God for a special purpose and they interpreted that to mean that they were superior to everyone else. They were the people and everyone else belonged to the despised category of, of Gentiles. There was that fence, there was that wall separating the Jews from the Gentiles. So let's see what God did about that. I'm going to read to you from Ephesians 2, 2 11 to, I think, I think verse 18. Um, Ephesians 2, from verse 11 anyway. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the flesh by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, 
by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have have access to the Father by one spirit. What a blow to discrimination. There There were so many divisions and Jesus Christ has come to obviate those divisions. What it must have meant in the interests of the unity of God's family for those people to read words like, He is our peace who has made us both one, that he might create in himself one new person in place of the two, so making peace. So that is the second thing that I'm suggesting that our Lord has done to give and to promote unity. He broke the walls that had divided people, not only the racial walls, but many other walls also. Have you allowed him to break those walls that have stood between you and other people? That's what he wants to do in the family of God. And the third answer I'm suggesting to the question of what has God done to offer us unity in his family is that he has offered us through the Holy Spirit the uniting power of a common love and loyalty. And I want you to understand that this is different from the first point that I was making about God being our Father. Have you observed, have you realised the drawing together power when two different people who mightn't have a great deal in common are both pledged in love and loyalty to a third person. An illustration would be a political candidate who is speaking at a rally and Mr A over here is totally in agreement with what the speaker is saying and says, that's it, that's true, I agree with you, tell us more. And someone over here agrees also and makes it known that he is agreeing with the speaker. Mr A and Mr B have never met each other but now they are united in a common loyalty to a third person. I love Jesus Christ and am committed to him and to his church. You love Jesus Christ and I believe, I trust, that you are committed to him and to his church. There is therefore a new unity between you and me which could not have existed otherwise and it exists because of our common commitment to him and our common concern for his interests even though we might have very little to do with each other outside of the the life of the church. This is what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a unity that is based not only on the fatherhood of God but also on our common commitment to our Lord when we come from separate positions in life and converge in loyalty to our Lord. And we know, especially from the book of Acts, that that just wasn't an apostolic ideal. That was a reality, a beautiful reality in the New Testament church as people of all types were united by the drawing together power of a common love and loyalty. 
through this common love and loyalty to Jesus, you and I and all who are truly committed to him are united. Let us rejoice in that unity. So I've suggested just three of the things that God has done to show us that he means us to be family. He means us to be united. So then, what does he expect us to do to promote and to keep that unity? There are many, many things, but again, I'm just suggesting three this morning. And the first is that we are to recognise and to accept fellow Christians in spite of differences. In spite of differences. And here we're not talking about differences of race or educational status or financial status or anything of that kind. But differences in our interpretation of issues. Issues that are not central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we differ on them. Friends, let us be realistic and honest. There are issues in which born-again Christians, working effectively for their Lord, interpret scriptures differently and come to a different understanding of the various challenges of life. Different minds weigh things up differently and we come up with different answers sometimes. Let me suggest something to you, tongue-in-cheek. If you or I decide that we want to belong to a church in which everyone agrees on everything, we might consider starting that church in our lounge room. It'll be big enough. And you'll find that you're sitting soon sitting on your own. And if you're a married person, your husband or wife might have started their church in another room because you and your wife don't agree on everything. We don't agree on everything. We never will agree on everything. But does the God of grace and peace want that to destroy our unity? I suggest a resounding no, he doesn't. He wants us to accept and recognise each other in spite of differences. You know, sometimes I think we, we tend to be well, we are in, in danger of being more exclusive than God. Friends, I'm not advocating compromise of doctrines, not advocating disregard for standards or, or watering down the essentials of the evangelical faith. But if you really think about what we're saying here, you will realise it's true that we do have differences and that if the unity of the family of God is to be preserved, we need to accept each other in spite of those differences. Some of you 
might just be saying, in view of where we are in our society at the moment, this might be the most relevant thing Bob has said this morning. Right now there are issues that could and probably do divide us, threatening our unity. Because we have come to different conclusions about certain current issues. And before I leave this point, let me say this, that, that if you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord, if you are walking in fellowship with him, and if I am too, and if scores of other people are too, then there is a unity of the Spirit that God's Word tells us we are to make every effort to keep. Let no trivial matter that has no real bearing on the Gospel that we proclaim destroy the precious unity of the Spirit. The second suggestion I, I offer in answer to what God, what does God want us to do to keep that unity of the Spirit is he expects us to forgive in spite of hurts. Hurts do happen. Some of us have some rough edges and they come up against the tender edges of, of certain other people and, uh, and can threaten our family unity. Jesus taught his disciples to pray forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. To trespass is to overstep the mark. I hear Jesus saying here you have all overstepped the mark with God. You've gone out of line. If you believe in forgiveness, then be ready to forgive. Jesus told a fairly lengthy parable that's recorded in Matthew chapter 18 in which he taught that those who needed and who wanted to claim forgiveness had better be willing to grant forgiveness. An unforgiving spirit destroys unity. The unforgiving person intends to keep the unforgiving person at a distance. And my brothers and sisters, we dare not do that. Colossians 3.13 says, Forbear one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. If we want unity, we dare not withhold forgiveness. We will get hurt from time to time. Whenever we are interacting with people who, like ourselves, are imperfect people, we will get hurt. But we will be willing to forgive in spite of those hurts if we value the unity of God's family. And finally, to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, God expects us to take the risk of rejection. And that is not easy. 
There are times when we know that there is ill feeling between us and a brother or sister, that there is perhaps a misunderstanding, and we know that the unity that God intends to have in his people just isn't there because of that disagreement. But he told us to keep the unity. Why do we not take the initiative to restore unity? The answer is fear. A psychologist who has taught me a lot about human relationships has said the greatest human need is acceptance, the greatest human fear is rejection. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And I believe that the main reason for our not taking the initiative to restore relationships is our fear of rejection. And that can be a very real fear. Does the unity of the family of God mean enough to you to take the risk of rejection as you try to restore a broken relationship? What do followers of Jesus do? They follow Jesus. They follow his path. What was his path? His path was to take the risk of rejection. He paid the price of rejection. Is that risk too great for us to take in the interests of the unity of God's body? I don't want to finish my message without making this point that I have not been addressing any situation in Mount Warren Park Community Church. I have rather been endeavouring to prepare us in case we come across such a situation. For us to understand what it is that God wants us to be bound together in the family of God, in unity. And I believe that the Lord has asked me to bring this message so that we might be ready if we are faced with a situation where our unity is threatened. In your heart are you in unity with God's people? That's how he wants it. And we have said this morning, could we go back to the first? That God has shown himself as our father, which means we're family, we're united. He has broken down walls of division. I hope that we are willing for him to do that for us. He has shown the uniting power of a common love and loyalty. And what, could we go to the other now? He has he wants us to preserve, to keep that family spirit by accepting fellow Christians in spite of differences, forgiving those who hurt us, and offering restoration in spite of the risk of rejection. Can we pray? 
Lord, we invite you to press to impress upon our minds and hearts those truths that you know are relevant for us to adopt and to apply. We thank you for the unity of this church. We thank you for all those people who, when they have been in this church a little while, have said, when I came in there, I felt at home. I felt accepted. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for creating that sense of unity. And now, Lord, please continue to teach us the lessons of your word and glorify your name in us and in your united church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.